Father, thank you for your goodness. Oh, Lord, open our eyes today to see how good you are, how much you love us. Father, you're speaking things to us because we're living in a critical time. In many of our lives, it's critical. In our families, there are critical situations. The church in general is in a critical place, and this nation very clearly is in a critical place. But I cannot get away from the idea that you put us here for such a time as this. And you've not put us here to survive, but you put us here to carry out your call for this church and for our lives in this place. And so whenever we open this sacred book, whenever we stand behind this pulpit, not just me, but everyone that we put here, we endeavor to make sure we're speaking only what you want to speak. And so today our prayer, Lord, is that you would enable me to do that and give all of us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to grasp the heart of what you want to say to us today. And for that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We've been talking, you put the, yeah, I go. We've been talking for several weeks now about this idea of pulling back a curtain. Well, what's the curtain we're talking about? Well, we live in a, you know, in a light. Our lives are, are, are lived within the borders 90% of our time that's limited by our five senses, the things we see, feel, hear, touch, and smell in our own understanding. And the Bible refers to this as the world, the cosmos. It's the, it's the natural, material, physical world that our sciences and sciences all focused on and has done an amazing job of giving us an understanding of it. But the Bible teaches us that there's a reality that's on the other side of that curtain, that's, that's more, that's eternal, that is more real, that is more powerful, that it's affecting our lives on this side, and it's the spirit realm. And so we've been spending a few weeks now just peeking behind this curtain, pulling back the curtain to see what goes, what's going on. What does the Bible tell us that's going on in that spirit realm? Because in that spirit realm, you have angels, you have demons. In that spirit realm, you have Satan and you have God. And so we've looked at this from a number of points of view. We've seen some examples in the, in the Bible of uh, Elijah standing there in Dothan telling God to open his eyes. And, and when the servant's eyes were opened, he saw that the 100,000 of Syrian troops were surrounded by a host of angels that were ready to do battle to defend them. Then we looked at it's important to know what's behind the, the curtain when it comes to prayer. Because prayer is taking God's ability and God's wisdom to, to reach into the situation, the problem that's got its origin behind the veil. And then we looked at, um, last week we looked at God on Father's Day very appropriately, that God is behind the veil, but God that's behind the veil is a father. And we spent some time, we spent some time looking at, at who he is behind the veil. Today we're going to look at it from a little different perspective. A few, a few years ago, when my wife and I went out for our anniversary, we went to a nice restaurant, um, and at the end they, they acknowledged our anniversary by giving us one of these. Would you put that picture up, please? Yeah, I'm going to lose some of you right now. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. So I, I asked the waiter what it was, and he said, it's a molten lava cake. And as I was meditating on what we're going to talk about today, 
this came to me as a great example because that's just a piece of cake without what's inside. It's what's inside it that makes that dessert so special. And if you don't know, it's a rich, deep chocolate, gooey, I'm losing more of you now, (laughs) chocolate. But we have a lot in common with that. What we have in common with that is we deal and respect one another mostly for what we see on the outside. And on the outside, that's just a piece of cake like any other piece of cake. But the real value of that dessert is the chocolate that's on the inside that you can't see on the outside. In the same way, the real you, the real value of you is what's on the inside, not what we see on the outside. Not only that, this dessert gets its name not from what's on the outside. It gets its name from what's on the inside. So it's molten because it's hot and it's runny, like, and it's lava cake because it's like lava flowing. And the cake, the last part of it, is because that's the container that it's in. So today we're going to look at you, who you are behind the curtain. And in this case, the curtain's not something way out there. The curtain is what you put those clothes on today when you came in here. And then we're going to look at what does that mean about everybody else that you're looking at because you're not seeing the real them either. You're not seeing the lava inside. You're seeing the cake that's on the outside. So our identity and the real you comes with who God's made you and is remaking you on the inside. Well, the principal scripture that gives us the background to this is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Paul writes these words, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, that means set you apart completely, the whole you, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible teaches us, although I know there are churches and theologians that don't agree with this, but that's okay. This is still what the Bible says, is that there are three parts to you. But that makes sense because God is one God, but He exists in three different forms, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are one being, and you exist in three forms, spirit, soul, and body. Hebrews 4.12, if you put that up. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit. So God's word is able to discern the difference between your soul and your spirit. I do a whole teaching on this when we do a course on renewing the mind, which I'm going to go over on Wednesday nights this summer. Uh, And we break down who you really are. So you are a spirit. The real you is that spirit person on the inside. John 4.24, Jesus talking about the Father says, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So the essence of who God is, is being as He is a spirit being. And see, we think of Casper the friendly ghost, and we think of Halloween and pictures of these 
sheet-like things floating around. But a spirit being is more real than a physical being. Your spirit person is eternal and will live somewhere forever. Your body is on its way out of here. (laughs) That's what the scripture says. So we're going to talk about the real you today that's behind that veil of your flesh. And the reason we're doing this is because most of our effort, most of our thinking, most of our money is invested in the house we live in and not the real us that lives in the house. This body is your spacesuit. It's your house. In fact, Paul says that in, in 2 Corinthians 5. He calls it a tent. It's a temporary dwelling that you live in. So you need to begin to think, you are a spirit. That's who you are. You have a soul. That's your personality. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the part of you that I communicate with and you communicate with me. But they, and they live in the body. Your body is the house that you live in that when you're done with that body, the body stays here and you go one of two places. We'll talk about that at the end. All right. So now we're going to see what difference this makes. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, the verses we're used to quoting are, is verse 17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. But that's taking it out of context. This is where the discussion begins. Therefore, from now on, we regard or acknowledge or look at no one according to the flesh, according to the house they're living in. Now, if, if I were to go around my neighborhood, which I used to, and I still do sometimes, take Wal- Wally. No, our dog's name's Molly, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> to take Molly for a walk in our neighborhood, I wa- we walk past some houses are little small houses, and ours is one of the smaller in our neighborhood. Our neighbor across the street is a huge house, all right? They've got a five-bedroom house, and there's three people living in it. So you can't tell who's in the house by what it looks like on the outside. The same is true of you. Our houses look different this morning. Some of your houses are bigger than others, and I'm not looking at anybody. (laughs) Our houses are painted different colors. Our houses of different ages. But they're not who you are. So I can't look at your house and find anything about the real you that's on the inside. And neither can you look at your house and determine that's who you are. We live in a culture that tries to tell you that, especially you ladies, especially the younger ladies. Well, you're nobody unless you've got an an hourglass figure. You're nobody unless you look just like this. You're nobody. And this is the cosmetic industry makes billions of dollars of convincing you are the house you live in and you need to get it painted. Now, we like the paint you put on. (laughs) Pastor Sam used to have this expression, if the house needs painting, it's okay, paint it. (laughs) But But that's not who you are. You live in that house. And we forget this and we start reacting to ourselves and some of you get so upset at yourselves because you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too tall, you're too short, you're, too, you're, you're complaining about your house. Mm. 
Not you. And even if you should become sick in your body, it's just your house that got some termites in it. It's not you. The worst that can happen is they eat your house up, but they're not killing you. So it's so important to learn to have the right perspective on who you are. Because this world you're living in is a temporary place for the house you're living in, your body. But you are the real being. And we need to learn to invest more of our time, more of our faith in the real eternal part of you and less worry about the house that's going to fall down anyway. So that's the purpose of what we're looking at here. So put verse 16 back up again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one. So that's a choice of what you're going to look at. So when I look at you, I've got to make a decision. I'm not simply looking. I can look at Charles and say, okay, that's Charles I'm talking to because I know what Charles' house looks like. But until I really get to know Charles, I don't really know who Charles is until I spend some time listening to him, watching him. And even then, it's only his soul. Even though we've known, this is what's important. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him that way no longer. Stay there a second. What they're referring to, Paul's referring, is there was a time when Jesus walked on this earth in his physical body. And the disciples, which was not just the twelve, they recognized that Jesus was with them because they could see his face. They could smell whatever his fragrance was. They could feel his touch. So they identified who he was by what they could see by his house, by his body, by what's on this side of the curtain. great example of that is in Mark's gospel when Jesus goes back to his own hometown. He's now been filled with the Spirit. He's been anointed and set forth into his ministry. And he comes to his own hometown to do the same kind of miracles that he was doing in other places. And the Bible says he could not do any great miracles there. Why? Because they were so hung up on the house that they saw. Because they remembered that house when he was five years old. They remembered his body. They remembered, they only identified with him according to his physical body. And they said, we know that kid. We knew him when he was Joseph. That's Joseph and Mary's son. And so their unbelief in who he really was stopped God from able to do in that hometown where he wanted to what God wanted to do. So having the right perspective on ourselves is critical. Because in order to receive from God, in order to have a relationship with God, you have to have some confidence that God's going to hear you and listen to you, that you can actually come and talk to Him. And if you think of yourself based on how you act in this outer body, you'll never have the confidence to come to God because you know yourself pretty well. You know some things you said before you came to church today. I wouldn't be surprised if there were some husbands and wives here who had some sharing together that was not totally holy. I know we've done that before, although not today, on their way to church. But that's not who you are. 
So Paul is teaching them here, look, some of you have seen Jesus in his body, but, but, but we don't know him that way anymore. We now know him spirit to spirit. And we talked about that the first week, verse 17. This is the key verse that we quote so often. So, but how are we to regard ourselves now? How are we to regard one another? Therefore, be, therefore makes you look back at what was just said. Because of what was just said, if any man is in Christ, that's the key, he is a new creation. The real you is a new you. Old things, that old you has passed away. And all things have become new. And those new things, is verse 18 there? And all these new things are of God. The word of God, or words of God, literally means out of God. If we had time to go to John chapter 1, it says when you're born again, you're born of God, out of God. Just as Chris was born out of his mother and me and our other three children. You are a child of God because your spirit being was born out of him. But go back to verse 17. I want to break this down for you a little bit. If anyone is in Christ, that's the key. See, when you, when you receive Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, and you invite Him into your life, and you surrender your life to Him, the Bible says you become joined to Him. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. But what joins you to Him is not your body like Siamese twins. It's your spirit being is now born again, and literally it says, is a new creation. The, the Greek word there for, for new creation implies something that never existed before. A new species of being. So it's not like when you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit cleaned you up a lot and set you on your straight path. No. The Bible says God took out of you that old heart, that old nature, and put in you a heart of flesh born of Him. And then God put His Spirit in you. But the, what joins you to God, what joins you to Christ, is your Spirit and His Spirit are fused together when you come to be in Christ. I am the vine, and you are a branch. This is how you have to begin to see yourself. Okay, we need to move forward. Any one of these points. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Now, this was a church that gave Paul a lot of trouble. He, he founded this church. And, and, and we don't have time to go back to the first two chapters, but, but they, were, um, they, they thought they were so spiritual because the spiritual gifts of the Spirit were flowing in abundance there, and they made the mistaken conclusion that just because the Spirit was moving, that meant they were spiritual. Now, he'll move wherever he can get an opportunity. So Paul's correcting that. He said, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, that means fleshly, why? As if you're still babies in Christ. Verse 2. 
For I fed you with milk and not solid food until now you're not able to receive it. I'm treating you like a baby. Even now you're still not able, verse 3, for you're still carnal. You're still acting as if your flesh is who you are and not who God's made you to be on the inside. And here's the evidence of it. Where there's envy, where there's strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal of the flesh and behaving look at this like mere men mere human beings in other words Paul saying you're not a mere human being you are a child of the almighty God that's who you really are on the inside that's the inner part of your molten lava cake that's what's behind the veil but you're acting as if that's not who you are at all, you're acting like the outside of the cake, which is now stale. <laughs> it's interesting. A number of Paul's letters are written to correct problems in the churches. This one was. Ephesians is. Colossians is. And Paul almost always starts by reminding them of who they really are on the inside. And then somewhere around halfway point, he switches over and basically says, now act like who you are and stop acting like who you used to be. We'll see an example of that in a minute. We don't have time to go on, but he talks about their behavior. Oh, let's go on. Verse 4, let's do that one. For one of you says, I'm of Paul, another says, I'm of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Verse 5. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you? Paul is saying, you're carnal because you've identified yourself with another human being instead of with Christ on the inside of you. Don't you know who you are? You are the temple, the dwelling place of God. He's living in you. You're not mere men. Now you're not God, but He's living in you. So what difference should this make? Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore, the, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. This is one of those turning points. This is in Ephesians. He spent three chapters reminding them and instructing them of who they really are and what God's done for them. And now he's going to talk to them about how you should act because of that. With all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. What, what, what we have in common in this church right now is not the way we look. And you stand up here, that's obvious. What we have in common What binds us together is the same spirit that lives in me is living in you and my spirit and your spirit are joined to the same spirit. If I had time, I was going to do a, a drawing of it. But if you think about a tree, Jesus uses a vine, but we're not used to vines, we're used to trees. So think of a tree, it's like Jesus said, I am the trunk and you're the branches. The branches have no separate identity. You don't look at a maple branch and say, there's a maple branch. No, it's a maple tree. And the branch is part of the tree. The only relationship 
that those branches have with each other is they're connected to the same trunk. What binds us together is we're connected by the Spirit to each other through the Spirit of Christ. And Paul is saying endeavor to hold on to that unity. But to do that, you've got to look behind the curtain and learn to regard one another not according to what we look like or feel like on the outside, but according to who we are on the inside. This is why I have a confidence with all the pressures that are in our culture right now, all the pressures that even within this church right now that would try to divide, that we will overcome and become one. Because the unity God's called us to is not the way we look. It's not even what we believe. It's the unity of the Spirit. And as we begin to recognize that in each of us and in ourselves, then this Spirit of God is able to grow that unity from within. And this church is an amazing opportunity for God to do that. And the Spirit of bond of peace. Let's go down to verse 17. So we can move along. So what are the, as a consequence of who you really are on the inside, now Paul says, I say therefore and testify to the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, that's people that are not saved, in the futility of their mind. In other words, walk means conduct your life. Don't, don't act like the rest of the world. Verse 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. If we get a chance, we'll talk about it at the end. Who being past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness, to work uncleanness and greediness. Let's get away from them. Keep going. But you have not so learned Christ. Verse 21. If indeed you've heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. Keep going. That you put off concerning your former contact, the old man. Notice he doesn't just say, stop doing bad things. He's saying, put off the old person that you were. It's like we carry around this dead body on us. And as long as you're here on this earth, you're still going to be haunted by the old person that you were because it's in your flesh. But that's not who you are now. So put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, (laughs) but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, change how you think about yourself. And this is something you have to do intentionally. Your flesh, that mirror in the morning, (laughs) your spouse, your children your boss, they may not help in this process. But remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So you have to change the spirit of your mind. That means literally how you think. That you put on the new man. So you could do it this way. When you get up in the morning, what are you putting on? Now, this is an image because you're not changing who you are. You're reminding yourself of who you are. Put on the new man, look at this, which has been created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm not holy and righteous in myself. You can just spend five minutes with my wife and you'll find out. Sometimes I spend five with my wife and find out how unrighteous I can be. That's an exaggeration. Ten minutes. 
But that's not who I am. I mean, even last night, I had an opportunity to do something unselfish for her. And I was tired, I was in bed, and I didn't feel like it. And I decided no. And when I got up this morning, I had to repent. It wasn't a big thing. And I had to ask her to forgive me. Because I was, by doing that, I was putting off that old man that I had temporarily put back on last night. But because I'm a new creature in Christ, I have the power to put that off. Before I was in Christ, I didn't have the power to put that off because that's who I was. But that's not who I am anymore. I have been born of God, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25. Therefore, here's how you act it out. Put away lying. Each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? Because we are members of one another. You'll change your marriage when you realize you really are one. You're one. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Because when you love your wife, you're loving yourself. So when you lie to your wife, you're lying to yourself, which is probably why you lied to her to begin with. Because we're one with each other. This is real to God. We talked last year at the end of the year, Jesus' last prayer was that we would be one. And that's going to get answered. Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor for we're members of one another. Verse 26, we've got to move along. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Give no place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather labor working with his hands what is good, that you may have something to give to him who has need. We've got to end there. Let's go quickly to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to have to summarize some of this. Verse 13. No, actually, let's go down to verse... um, I want to move down to verse... Yeah, verse 16. Go to verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of your flesh. He's telling us here how how to live with, out of this real person that you are in the inside. It's not a, you, don't have to, you don't have to work hard at it, you just have to learn what to do. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh lusts against your spirit and the spirit against your flesh. So that capital S could easily be a small s. The battle that goes on inside of you is between the real you and your old flesh the old man and the new man. For the spirit fights against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. They're contrary to one another so that you may not do the things that you wish. Verse 18. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Wow. Envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries. Oh, I didn't commit any of those. Oh, and the like. 
of which I tell you beforehand as I told you in the past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, fruit is what's born out of your nature. An apple tree by nature produces apples. A pear tree by nature produces pears. And Jesus says you can tell what kind of tree it is by the fruit that it bears. So this should not be hard work because it's your nature. It's learning to distinguish the real you from your old man. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Keep going, there's more. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. There doesn't have to be a law because it's the natural fruit being produced out of it. Under the Old Testament, the law told you you had to act like this, but they didn't have the capacity to do it. So God says, I'm going to put my nature in you. These are all a description of what God's like. God's nature in you. So all you have to do is learn to walk in the fruit of who your nature is. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. But if we live in the Spirit, if you're born of the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Living implies where you've been born into. So if you are in Christ, you've been born into the Spirit. And now Paul's saying, therefore, walk in the Spirit. Walk refers to how you conduct how you conduct your life. Let's... So how do we do that? Oh, there's one other verse I want to give you. We're living in a world where it's very threatening. And you may feel at times overwhelmed by the circumstances of your life. And it may seem to you as if the enemy is just... He's camped that Syrian army right around your house. And you just don't know that you can make it. But see, you forget who lives in you. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, born of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The one who lives with you has already overcome the God of this world. When Jesus said, it is finished, he was declaring, in fact, that word in Greek is tetelestai. And that's the phrase that would often be given on a battlefield when the general realized that the battle had turned and he knew that the war, he knew he'd won the victory. There were still skirmishes and things to be done, but he knew the victory was won. He would yell to Telestai, and that invigorated, encouraged his troops. Jesus said, it is finished. And the one that defeated that enemy lives in you. You're not a failure. You're not a weakling. When you see yourselves as a failure and a weakling and overwhelmed, you're looking at your house. You're looking on this side of the curtain. And today I'm trying to help you learn how to look behind the curtain at who you really, really are. So how do you develop this? I'm not going to be able to finish this message today, but I'll I'll leave you with this thought and then we'll pick up here. We'll pick up here next time. You have to learn to become more sensitive to the spirit man on the inside and less moved and aware of the physical man on the outside. And here's the challenge with that. First of all, 
you've been more aware of that physical person than you have been of your spirit person your whole life. You live in a world, you live in a family, you live in a society, we live in a culture that is all focused on this outer person to the point that we think this is who we are. And so it's going to take a conscious effort on your part to learn to become more aware and sensitive of who you really are on the inside because you're swimming upstream when you do that. But the rewards of doing this are literally out of this world. So we're going to end this today. Next week we're going to pick up here. I'm going to talk a little bit more about how to develop an awareness of that spirit person that you are on the inside. And then we're going to take this principle and we're going to learn how to look at each other. Because Paul didn't say just look at yourself this way. And then we're going to learn how to look at the world through this same prism. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. (laughs) You're so patient. You're so long-suffering. You're so kind to us. Lord, these are things that many of us have, have heard over and over again. And some of us have taught it over and over again. And the depth of it has no limits. Your word talks about the unsearchable, unsearchable riches of Christ. Your word talks about the breadth and length and height and depth and the, and the love of Christ that passes all understanding. The enormity of what you've done in us by coming to live in us the enormity of the change that you've brought about in our hearts, in our spirits, in our nature, when we just opened our hearts to Christ and invited Him in. And we've lived so, so far below who you've made us to be. We've lived so much dominated by the person we thought we were on the outside and not dominated and controlled and led by the real person you've made us to be on the inside. So Father, all I can do today is to continue to trust you that what you're doing in me, you're doing in all of us. And stand on that wonderful promise that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.